Welcome to Ottawa Valley Community Church, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. We are really delighted to be here. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Pastors and the leadership of the church for giving us an opportunity to come and just share with you what God is doing around the world. And if I had the whole message, I'd talk about a lot of things from different countries, but we're going to focus on what God is doing, what God has done uh, in Zimbabwe. As the pastor said, my wife and I spent 20 years in uh, Zimbabwe. I grew up in Kenya, East Africa, born, raised, all my education, and then I came to Carleton University to study science, and that's where I met my wife, Cindy. She's an Ottawa girl. And uh, we then moved out west, uh, where I studied for the ministry, and also we pastored a church in Vancouver for eight years. And then God took us to Zimbabwe. And now for the last 16 years, almost 17 years, I've been the executive director of our international mission outreach, our global mission for the Pentecost Assemblies of Canada. Uh, I lived most of the time in Toronto, but with COVID and remote work, we moved back home to Ottawa last year. We just live over here between Canada and CARP, so we are back home again, and it's real nice to be in this area. Very uh, quickly, we are up there, but I'm in presenter mode. It's going backwards somehow. It's showing presenter mode up there, and on my screen, <laughs> it's the other way around. Oh, computers, sometimes they just beat me up, and uh, they go backwards, but here we go. This is not a Mac, and he's gonna fix that for me and get us on the right. Don't look at me while I do it. Here we go. <laughs> In, in our mission global work around the world, we have about 300 Canadians who serve in 65 countries. We work in over 85 countries. We've been, we've been doing this in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada for, for over 100 years. For 100 years, we have been sending people from Canada to share the gospel around the world. Mission is different today. Today, God is calling out people from everywhere to go everywhere. In fact, you may not know this, but we have two missionaries that have come from the Ivory Coast that are helping us to reach people in Quebec today. One of them's in the Gatineau, one of them's in the uh, uh, in Montreal area. But we, 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 are, we are engaged in seeing global workers from everywhere going to everywhere. And so we will be at a conference next week in Minneapolis where we have representatives from over 100 countries that are coming to talk about how we collaborate in these end times to get the gospel where we want to go. All right, these guys are getting close to where I want them to be. And it, it does. Sorry, we had it right, and then I think I messed it up on you. I just leave it like that. They'll, they'll get it. They'll get it. That's just fine. It's Windows. It's just... It's actually my, uh, my, my office tells me it's, it's my presence that whenever I show up, <laughs> things don't work properly. And so it could just be me today. No signal, come on back. Come on back. That's a nice picture, where are we? Uh, put wrong number, 
It will find itself up there. Let's just do this and see if it'll help. It's determined not to be correct, and we will just live with that. So here's the challenge that we face in the, in the world today. There are 3.2 billion people who have little or no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ today. There are places in the world I can go and shake the hands of 100,000 people and I won't meet another follower of Jesus Christ. It's easiest to see it on this map here. All those green countries are where the church is present. So you look at Canada and North America. I know we have a lot of work to do in Canada. I don't want to minimize the responsibility that we have to reach Canadians. But I know that right here in Carlton Place, there are probably six or seven churches. You're here, there's two churches here this morning. You probably have a Methodist church and an Anglican church and a Baptist church. I don't know what you have in Carlton Place, but they're here. I can travel to, into Ottawa, I'll, I'll find hundreds of churches. Look at Sub-Saharan Africa where my wife and I were working, my parents worked. It's green. It's because the church in Sub-Saharan Africa is an incredibly strong church today. And you will hear that from these two brothers as they come to share. The church in Africa, in Kenya, Tanzania, Zimbabwe, South Africa, you will find a church everywhere, much like you do here. Same is true in lots of parts of China, of Scandinavia. But look at those yellow countries. A lot of what used to be Christian Europe, there are places in Spain, villages, you can go village after village, town after town, and not find a Bible-believing church. Russia. But look at those brown countries across North Africa, the Middle East, into Southeast Asia. 3.2 billion people with little or no access to the, no church, no Bible, no pastor, no believer to tell them about Jesus. You can break it up by the religions of the world. Uh, those red dots represent all the unreached people groups of the world. Look at India, for example, and the great needs of India. Break it up by religions, and it's green is Islamic, the yellow is Hindu, the orange is Buddhist. It's a religious world that we go into. And it's into that world that we want to send people with the gospel. A third of the world, a third of us on this planet have little access to Bibles, little access to churches, no witness, no known believers, 7,419 unreached people groups in the world. That is where God has called us. At the same time, there are two billion people with little or no access to the basic necessities of life. They live without opportunity for education, food, housing, clean water, health care. They live in very insecure environments. And so we have to be concerned about the vulnerable, the marginalized, the people who uh, don't have the same access to food, water, housing, education. Two billion people in the world today. And you can see it on this map. The lighter the country, the more vulnerable the people in that country are. If you see the 
Well, it's not very clear on that map, but down towards South Africa in the southern part, there's a little gray section there. That is Zimbabwe. And Zimbabwe, we have faced incredibly difficult economic times in that country. We have had inflation that you guys can't even imagine where inflation rate is measured in millions of percentage points. Where the dollar, the Zimbabwe dollar completely collapsed and the money that you had was absolutely worthless. Imagine your entire pension, everything that you had saved is just washed away by inflation. And what used to be thousands of dollars is not even pennies today. That's the challenges that Zimbabwe has had. It's, it's an economic uh, nightmare, still is today. And yet, in the midst of that, you will find churches filled with joy and hope and all kinds of things. So our focus as a mission is on the least reached and the most vulnerable. And that's where God calls us to go. So here's my pitch this morning. Maybe there are people here like Diana who went and served for us in Malawi and you want maybe volunteer service for a little while. Maybe you're getting close to retirement, but you're still healthy and strong. We live longer these days, and you're thinking about, you know, we're going to spend all that time down there in Florida during the winter to get away from Ottawa winters. I've got lots of warm places to send you. <laughs> Malawi's very nice. And maybe there's a place you'd like, come and see me afterwards, pick up one of these, and you can learn more about us from, from our mission and, and, uh, and uh, uh, see what... God might potentially call you to do. Well, let me introduce one of our guests. This is Pastor Munetzi Zoa. Uh, Pastor Zoa and I as a family, come on up. Uh, we have known this couple for a long time. Uh, from right when he was saved through a crusade being conducted by a Canadian evangelist in Zimbabwe to his Bible college days and on to pastor alongside one of our Canadian pastors for a while. But in 2001, we started the Village of Hope in Zimbabwe. I know you guys support the Village of Hope. Thank you for that with Jeff and Renato Walton. We appreciate your support of that, and I think they're coming here later. But uh, we started one in Zimbabwe, and when we bought the property, it was, on, it was on Good Hope Road, which seemed appropriate. And there was a building there, and the first thing I said is we need to plant a church. And so we started Hope Community Church in 2001. My wife and I, together with a couple of others, Pastor Bishop Never was there, and we planted this church. But after a year, God was calling us to plant another church. So we called Pastor Zoa, and he has now been there for 21 years as the lead pastor. He oversees everything to do with the Village of Hope, the school, outreach programs, they have a clinic, and uh, this is the new church building that uh, they have been able to build there by God's grace and God's help, and uh, they have the Village of Hope, they have primary and secondary schools, uh, they love to, uh, to worship and, and dance, I think that was back on the last slide, but I'm going to turn it over to him, and he's going to share a little bit about what God's been doing in his life. Thank you, thank you very much, uh, Pastor Cornelius, and greetings to everyone. Uh, thank you for having us, to, to the pastors that are here, and the congregations. Like, like uh, Pastor said here, we're doing um, a number of things, uh, from, uh, flowing from our love for Jesus Christ, and flowing from uh, uh, the planting of, of a, a local church, and 
Basically, what I want us to talk about is uh, the impact of uh, our partnership. When we talk about the things that are happening out there, we have to understand that uh, there's no single individual who can take credit uh, for what God is doing. It's a convergence of hearts that, that, that love God's people, that love God's world, and that see beyond themselves. So we've got Mission Global under the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada is a key partner. We are part of the Village of Hope Africa family, which is a charity registered again under PLC here in, uh, in, uh, in Canada and operating in several African countries with uh, 11 centers. We also have emergency relief and development organization, again a charity under the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Back home, we, 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 we also partner with our local uh, center, the Village of Hope. We also partner with, uh, with the government of Zimbabwe. So out of these partnerships, we are involved in a, in a number of, uh, of programs that seek to meet the children of Zimbabwe, particularly children in need. On a broad base beyond the village of Hope, we've got what we call a Pentecostal Assembly of Zimbabwe social concerns, where we go into communities, seek to, to bring uh, food assistance, seek to bring uh, fresh water, seek to bring livelihoods to, to, to different families. So at the moment, we are involved in a, in a huge program with the partnerships that I, I mentioned earlier, which includes the Canadian Food Grants Bank, where we are empowering people within their village communities to be better at taking care of themselves, where we are seeking to move away from handouts to, to bring people to that place where they stand on their own, where we can go. So that's what we're doing, and I'll focus this uh, morning more on the Village of Hope, that's our lead team there. The Village of Hope, Zimbabwe, like all other villages, it's uh, involved uh, you know, in different uh, sort of programs. We are involved in community. Many people, when they hear of a VOH center, they think of uh, a residential care program. Uh, that's not what it is. It's more than that. It's about community. Yes, we are, we, are, we are a campus, we are a center, but we come out of that to seek uh, to, to have community impact. And one of the things that we do is nutrition, as you see in that picture. We provide uh, a high-protein porridge for kids before they go into school. These kids in this particular community were not going to school. But the, the community says, come help us to get these kids in school. Why are they not in school? They're hungry. So we feed them right in the center there. This is an informal school. And we give them an opportunity for education, primary health care, and where possible, we reach out to their caregivers. With um, a different in, in in different ways we can continue. So that's that's um, the young man there is ready taking food home. So you making sure that they are not only eating at the center or eating at the outreach point, but also they are taking whatever they can take home. In that banner there, we're just as we bring about the the the, the ministry to children, we're also reaching to community. 
with the different challenges. This one was um, an issue to do with, with, with gender, we, we, we come with all, uh, you know, caring for environment. Anything that we feel is pertinent to the community, we also bring that one alongside. And as, uh, we also, as a, a local church at VOH, very much believe in planting churches. When we go into our community, we have got 20, 30 children that we are caring for. Discipleship is pertinent, is key. So what we do, we also plant a church. And uh, to that, we have, we have done nine churches, and we are taking care of seven. And the current seven churches that we take care of, all of them are employees. All the other pastors are employees of VOH. In other words, they are either teachers or grounds people that go into their community and say, there is a need here. Let's reach these children. From reaching those children, we have a church. So if you want to see a lot of children, Pastor, come to Zimbabwe. I'm glad with what I saw here. But when we say we are dismissing children for children's church in our, in our church, you're looking at not less than 150. So we have even stopped from bringing them here. You've got to understand in our part of the world, the rules are not as tight as here. So kids can come to our churches without their parents. They, they, they can attend. We do our best to take care of them. And as you can see, in the other picture, there so many children. The other pictures, though, that the people had been baptized. Another thing that we do in communities is, how do you take care of yourself? We support you. We support the communities. Can't we have a garden? Can't we have a source of uh, protein? Can't we have a source of, you know, uh, vitamin C? So we, we go into communities, help them set up community gardens. We put 20 families per garden so that there is uh, accountability there. We provide the fencing to protect the crop. We also provide uh, pumps to take the water from the river into watering the garden. So as we do this, we strongly believe that we are about empowering people. Let's continue. We are about empowering people. And like I've already said, as we empower the people, we want to make sure their side of the children is taken care of. So one of the things that we are wanting to do, he made his pitch, and I'll make my pitch, child sponsorship. Child sponsorship is very critical. If you go to the VOH website, you can, you can uh, see how it all goes. I know you in this church, uh, the... the they are supporting the, the Waltons, right? Yeah. But we, 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 we can support children. The VOH centers, they all have um, children that are in need of support. If you did that, you will have made a difference in five areas of a child. Their discipleship, their health care, their education, their community responsibility, and their ability to have self-esteem. So that's what we are all about. And I want to say to these two congregations, thank you very much for this opportunity. As God stays you up, go to the VOH Africa website, click on Zimbabwe, and you can pick up uh, more information. Go to the POC, 
click on Edo and you will know more about Child Care Plus and child sponsorship. Thank you very much and God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Zoa. And as you can see, the church in Zimbabwe is very active in its community, in community outreach, in care about social issues and social needs. We don't have any Canadians that uh, continue to live and work in Zimbabwe. We have every confidence, every confidence. The church in Zimbabwe is strong, it's healthy, it has great leadership. What we do is we come alongside and we partner with them, we encourage them where we can, and they encourage us by coming here and being a part of some of what we're doing here in Canada, so thank you. One other comment on, on uh, the children. Uh, every year, I, uh, I, I get on my bicycle and in three different locations, I ride 100 kilometers with some friends. I, there's one friend from Carlton Place who comes and rides with me. I thought he might be here this morning. I don't see him. But if any of you are riders, I will be riding in Ottawa. We ride from Orleans across to Kanata and back to Orleans, 100 kilometers. And this year, I'm raising money because for, for, for the children that need to begin preschool and they need to get their education started, you don't want kids to get left behind. And so every year at our 11 centers, there's another group of children, 30, 40, 50 children that need to start in preschool, but they're not yet sponsored. And so I'm raising money to help them get through that first year. I'm gonna try and raise about $250,000 in my bike rides in Ottawa, Waterloo and Abbotsford. Abbotsford's kind of mountainous, it's a little bit more difficult, uh, so pray for me. But that's, I've got some people who ride with me, we raise money, we raise awareness, because we want to help those kids get a good start. So thank you, Pastor Zoe. Let me introduce to you Bishop uh, Never Muparutsa. He is the presiding bishop of the Pentecostal Assemblies of, of Zimbabwe. He is also the president of the Evangelical Fellowship of Zimbabwe, just like we have the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. There is a parallel group in Zimbabwe. He's the president of that. He is the chairman of the heads of denominations. It gets him involved in all kinds of issues, politics. We have elections in Zimbabwe this year, and they are always a time of great concern because of the potential for violence and all kinds of things. So pray for him. He finds himself in the middle of those negotiations. He is a graduate of our Bible college. Uh, he came, he'll tell you himself, he came from, from humble circumstances, difficult background. He can tell you that story. That's Brian Stiller, if you don't know him. He was the chairman of the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, but now he's the global ambassador of the World Evangelical Alliance, one of our pastors in the PAOC, and they were together in Zimbabwe. One of the things he does is he really organizes, Pastor uh, Muparuso organizes prayer rallies. May the 25th is Africa Day in Zimbabwe. It's a, it's, it's a big day, and they organize this is a prayer meeting in Zimbabwe. Thousands of people come out and they will be there through the night praying for Zimbabwe and they'll organize these across the country. This is under his leadership. We also planted another church called Jubilee Christian Center. This was the final day that my wife and I were there. We started in June of 2003. My wife and I were called back to Canada in 2006, but we, we started the church together. 
There were four of us. And I would only be there once a month because I had other responsibilities. But I'd preach once a month. And being a good Canadian, I'd preach about 30 minutes. And then I'd call up Bishop here to do the altar call. He knew how to... He's an evangelist at heart. Sometimes the altar call took longer than the sermon, but it was good. And uh, we, would, we, we just saw people come to the Lord. You can see this is another picture of the same building. He, they've improved it. It looks better. I love it when gardens give praise to the Lord. And you can see the beauty of how they look after the church there. And so he's very engaged. I, I, I want to give him lots of time, but I, I just want to tell you this one story. This was a, a couple. They're actually relatives of... Uh, of the bishop, and when we started the church, they came. Dudu on the right, the, the lady there, is an Afro jazz musician. She is a fantastic musician. She sings a lot in the language that's called Indibeli with a lot of clicks and things in it. I, I love to hear her sing when, she's, when he's, she's doing her kind of Afro jazz music. They actually sung in front of the Pope. They were that well known in the work they did. They gave it all up out of a passion. Now she still sings, they still do music, but their real passion is reaching vulnerable and unreached people on the periphery of society. This is a church that they have started. They have since started five other churches in the last three or four years. And uh, Cindy and I were with them for one Sunday and I have to tell you, I came away, I was emotionally undone that day by the sacrifice this couple makes to reach people. Uh, she, she, she's a, a great worship leader, and this is not their church, this was our national conference. But this is the kinds of communities they're in, the kinds of places they go to. They've given up a very lucrative career to come and be pastors in these communities. And they found many, many children not going to school. And if you look carefully, I'm sorry the picture's not bigger, but you see the big rubber tire there, the big tractor tire. They started a school and they used those tractor tires as their desks because they didn't have desks. That's, their, that's the kind of places they are working. And they call it Oasis of Grace School. And so these are the kinds of people that you will find in Zimbabwe, across Africa, that today are serving. Today they're serving. And what we do as a church in Canada, we are their friends. I'm happy to say that more than anything else, these two brothers here, are friends. They're very, very dear friends. And as friends, we help each other Amen. in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm delighted to invite uh, Bishop Muparuzu to come, and he's going to share a brief word with us this morning. Your computer. I'm not, I'm not a computer guy. <laughs> These two guys are very good with computers and uh, projectors. I'm just a simple Bible guy, so <laughs> you, will, you will forgive me for that. I'm very touched this morning uh, to be with you, and um, may the Lord really bless you, the pastors. One thing that really touches me is your humility to come together and organize God's people. It's very difficult. Pastors sometimes can be very difficult but not our members ourselves Amen. <laughs> you guys are unique 
I'm speaking like a bishop, you know. I look after many pastors, and there's a lot of attitude going out there. You touch me, I was touched today to just come to see two congregations put together to worship God. And no attitudes flying around. Wow. Gave me a powerful story. Difficult to make pastors pastors without attitudes. You guys are powerful. Very powerful. I liked it. Touched my heart and because looking after pastors is my job. And you guys have just beat me too. I really appreciate it. So you'll give me another minute just for the emotion that you've just brought to my heart to see you people coming together in different congregations. That's what it is. That's what it's going to be in heaven. Good thing in heaven, there won't be pastors, there will be Jesus. And we are all trying to bring people to their master, who is Jesus. And the other thing is to see color in your church. I see some black brothers and sisters who look very comfortable here. Amen. Praise God. Don't take that for granted. Because mixing colors has not been the best this world can do. You guys are powerful. I can see they're smiling over there. And sometimes when I'm among our white brothers and we are few blacks, it makes me feel how he felt when he's among a sea of black faces and he's the only white thing in, the, in, in there. And his, him and his wife, they've been so brave and they've done it for years or no end. And I see you looking after my brothers and sisters of this color. We, when we are when in restaurants, when you are asking for rare, we ask for dead. <laughs> How do you want your meat? I say, look at the skin. Dead. <laughs> you guys have it rare. Powerful. So my, my job is simple. I just have to bring a word to try and wrap up what these brothers have done. Mary Cornelius and Cindy in Zimbabwe are bishops. You forgive us for using these biblical terms, uh, but we find it more comfortable. He has served so well, starting from his dad, and they have been with us for such a long time, we actually feel this is an African at heart with just a Canadian skin. And it's okay with us because we flow. Yesterday we were back home with our embassy. We were eating what we know how to eat. You would have seen Mary digging in like an African, <laughs> eating all the kinds of things that we were eating. I could see he was more comfortable with his African food uh, yesterday, and we, we enjoyed ourselves. So officially, Bishop Cornelius is Bishop Emeritus from Zimbabwe. He was officially ordained bishop for the work, not for his color, for the work he has done and the call and the graces that we see flowing from his life. The grace, particularly to raise pastors. I am a testimony uh, here. I worked with him for many years. He's a testimony. He developed us. And today, I stand when I am in Zimbabwe 
as a person responsible for the entire church in Zimbabwe, from the Catholics, Protestants, Evangelicals, Pentecostals, all from his hands. But it doesn't look like this kind of a bishop, but he raised this bishop. Why not ordain him if he can raise a person like me? He can raise a person like him. We give glory to God for that. So you will forgive us when you hear us calling Bishop Cornelius. I hope it's not an offense to your culture and way of doing things. But I have two other places that are comfortable. So I pray that it's the same around here. May the Lord bless you. My name is Nevermind. Yes, please. You can see it's not a name. It's a statement. My vernacular is Tirivano, which means we are also people. So you have to give it in context. Never mind, we are also people. <laughs> now that can tell you the whole story. And in many African countries, our names are statements depending on the circumstances in which either I was born or my mother carried my pregnancy or how my mom raised me. So you can tell what my mother was going through when I was born. I got to know my dad eight months ago uh, after many years, over 50 plus years of not knowing my dad. And I came to know him about eight months ago and it's an exciting moment because I got to know him when I was saved. So I have no, I have no ill feelings on him. Today I was actually talking to his sister my aunt, who called me and she was wondering on technology. She was saying, why can't I see him? Because we're talking on, on, uh, on um, WhatsApp and I was giving her audio taps, audio voices, speaking to her because my brother was with her and says, please speak to your auntie. She's very old. My dad is 92 years old and uh, I'm beginning to develop a relationship with him. The good thing is I already had a relationship with my heavenly father. And that helped me to have a good relationship with him. In fact, I now behave like his father. God has been so good. If Mary and them were not there, I think I would have killed him. Because of the kind of life I lived. But our heavenly father has been so gracious. So quickly, let me... I have taken four minutes already, okay? <laughs> just, I just have to be careful. <laughs> Lest next time they say, don't bring that black guy here, that your black bishop. Praise the Lord. So Mary told you I'm the presiding bishop or superintendent of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Zimbabwe. Now, I want to talk to you quickly on a message that I've entitled, The Mission is Greater Than the Missionary. They have been talking about the missions the, and the missionaries and the work that we've got to do in partnership together. And we are grateful particularly to the Canadian church for the great work that has been done in Zimbabwe and across Africa. In fact, this year we are celebrating 75 years of existence in Zimbabwe. And all those 75 years there's been missionaries coming, except for now now, where Bishop Cornelia says, you guys are grown up. You can look after yourself 
we have other people we need to help. We can partner with you in other ways, not in terms of personnel. And we are grateful. You can see we are able to manage our affairs. But I, him and I are friends. We went to Bible school together. We've been in the same class. We are still together until now because relationships are very important. One day I'll come back to talk to you about relationships. Very important. Now, let's quickly go. I see there are people there at the back who can put scriptures. Are you able to quickly put scriptures on the overhead projector? If you may, if you have Bibles over there, you will help me. Quickly, let's look at Matthew chapter number 4, verse 19. You can help me by projecting. Verse 18 of Matthew chapter number 4 says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw the two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straight away left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw other two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with, the, with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left and followed him. So I want you to see here, Jesus called them and said, come. The first thing he says, come. He then says, uh, I will make you. Then he says, fishers of men. So there is the coming, then there is the making, then there is the fishing. Okay, so very clearly, come, I'll prepare you. When I've prepared you, there's a mission, which is fishing, but we're not fishing tiger fish. We're not fishing bream. We're fishing men. Fair and fine, and they left what they were doing quickly, jumped onto the bandwagon, they followed Jesus. Now, the problem starts after they started following Jesus. They tend to forget the mission. It was so sweet to follow Jesus. It was so sweet to be met into fishers of men. What became a problem was to start fishing, which is the biggest problem with many of us in church. We, most of us, we came a long time ago. We have been mad. The problem is we are not fishing. And it's not your fault. Even the apostles had the same problem. The very big apostles with the big names had the same problem of coming, being prepared, and not fishing. Mission is to go out there to fish. Let me quickly go on to it. So what, when they came, what became their preoccupation? John, is it John chapter 4? John chapter, chapter 4, the wedding, you remember the wedding? John chapter 2, the wedding at Cana. Just what makes preachers, there are things that makes preaching sense, right? John chapter 2, Jesus said the wedding, and the, 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 the guys came to Jesus and said, our wine is finished. And his mother said, do something. You remember? His mother went to Jesus and said, do something. And Jesus said, you see, the problem with the mother is she went to address Jesus as a human being, yet demanding a divine thing. 
That's why Jesus said to her, okay, woman, it's not yet time. Since you are addressing me as a son, you are asking for me to do things that you can't ask me as a son. You should ask me as a worshiper, and I do it as God. So he says, my time is not yet up. However, why did she do that? I want to think she must have recognized Jesus came with a lot of people here and they finished people's wine. Why would she just say Jesus do something about it? And I'll tell you, if you were to invite Jesus to a wedding or a function, Jesus would not come alone. He would always come with a group, minimum 12. <laughs> but always there were more. Jesus moved with a crowd. So I suppose his crowd finished their wine. And the mother understood, you finish people's wine, do something about it. And these guys were now into wine drinking and dining, and they enjoyed it following Jesus. There was always something to take home. They drank the wine. Jesus had no choice but to make, replenish the wine, his guys. That he called, he said, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Now they're drinking. Wow. Leave that alone. One day Jesus says, people gathered and uh, people are hungry. He says, do something. There's no bread here. And that guy said, what are you talking about? Send them away. Jesus said, no, no, no. We're not sending them away. He gets Thank God for the little boy who had his lunch there. He took the fish and the bread of the little boy, multiplied the food. The same guys who said, send them away. They collected 12 basket full, baskets full, leftovers, took home. Now it's so beautiful to follow this Jesus. We can drink wine. We can take baskets full home. Why go and fish? Follow this guy and enjoy yourselves. <laughs> they kept on doing that. They also jumped into boats on boats right. When Jesus is crossing from this place to the other, he's doing ministry, and they are in the boats and they're enjoying it. Yeah, most of you, haven't you enjoyed just coming to church, worship? It's so beautiful to be with others and we forget that there's work to be done. And sometimes we then get to think we are more important than the mission why we are here. Why do people fight in churches? That's why I applauded you guys. People forget that we are here to work and we start now wondering who's greater, who, who is more important because we've forgotten the mission why we are here. And it was the same with Jesus' disciples. Now they're into drinking wine. They're into taking their leftovers. They're into boat riding. That's not the only thing. Now I want you to see the dilemma with Jesus. Jesus himself was a missionary who came from heaven and understood the mission. That's why when, after temptation, he announced his mission. 
Whenever you would ask Jesus questions, he would answer you by his mission. God, through the Bible. God help me, help me here. Now, one day there's an old lady called Mrs. Zebedee. Jesus, Matthew chapter 20, verse 17, 18 going down. Jesus is about to fulfill his mission. His mission was to die for our salvation. And he never lost that. He calls his disciples, watch this now. He calls his disciples because he wants now to tell them about his future, he's ready to go. But the same club is worried about who's greater. In fact, some of the guys have been discussing this with their mother. Mom, you know, this guy is great. You know, you need to negotiate with him that I sit on the right and I sit on the left. He, why would she come and talk about it unless they've discussed it? Jesus called his disciples. They came, but their two were missing. If you read the scripture, because the Bible says, Mrs. Zebedee came. Have you ever seen it? Pastor, you call your elders, some are missing. Jesus had that. Some are missing and they are discussing something somewhere. About the same agenda you have, they come with different ideas. She comes, Mrs. Zebedee, and said, spoke to Jesus, she said, what can I do for you? She has forgotten the mission. She has a different mission. She says, can you make my sons one sit on your left and the other on your right? They are no longer worried about eating, riding boats, and all that. Now they want positions. And they've told mommy to come and negotiate for them. <laughs> mommy has come to a board meeting just to tell Jesus, put one on your left and one on my, your, your side. And Jesus said, it's not for me to do. I came here on a mission that my daddy sent me to do. That's what I need to focus on because the mission is greater than I am. Let me tell you something. Even Jesus understood that he was not as important as the mission. God would rather him have him on the cross to fulfill the mission because the mission was more important than him. The salvation of this world was more important. And Jesus focused on that. And how sometimes as pastors we miss the mission. Wow. Please take a stock. Just take a stock. Are you still on the course? Why Jesus put his blood on the cross for you to do what you need to do. God did not even spare his own son for the mission. He was the missionary, but he had to die. John made a mistake. He thought he was more important. Do you know, John's mission was to introduce Jesus. And John, in the process, started enjoying preaching and baptizing. John chapter 3. He will tell you, John was now baptizing at a place where there was more water. People were now comparing John and Jesus to the point that Jesus then on John chapter 4, now watch this, he said, 
When people were now comparing, oh, John is baptized, Jesus is baptizing more than John, the Bible says, whilst it was not Jesus, but his disciples. And the Bible says, Jesus said, he needed to go to Samaria. Because Jesus was, into, was not into competition. Even if he was the main player, and John is missing the fact that his mission was over, he then wanted to continue because he thought he was more important than the mission. Guess what? John is now baptizing where there's more water and Jesus is struggling where to baptize. Yet his work was over. Introduce Jesus, step aside, let the man take. It took another person to challenge John, to say, John, read the same chapter. Are you not the guy who introduced us, this guy on the other side of the river? He says, yes, 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 yes. Oh, by the way, I'm only the best man. I'm... Wow. Don't forget the mission, John. You read the scriptures, he says, John was doing this before he was put in prison. There are certain things we will do before we are put in prison. Let me show you. God is serious about his mission. John went to prison and Jesus was not bothered. He, went, he sent a message to say, ask him, are you the one? John was even doubting Jesus. Oh, we must wait for another one. Do you know how Jesus answered John? He says, God tell John, the blind see, the lamb walk, yes. the word is preached. He didn't send a soldier to take him out of prison. No. He sent him the mission statement. He left him there. So, even I, I, even I with all the positions, I'm not as important as his mission. Thank you for those of you who understand his mission and are supporting the mission. When you are supporting missionaries, the idea is to support the mission. What has been put here has nothing to do with men, but the mission. And Jesus said that struggle. Let me conclude by saying this. When Jesus found out he has called guys, trained them, but they're not willing to go, he then decided to find a solution. And I hope we will not put Jesus to that point, my pastor, where he has to find a solution Jesus is so loving. Sometimes I love Pastor Cornelius. When we are struggling with things, he takes it so easy. If I were Jesus, I'll whip those guys. You're now following me, forgetting what I called you to do. I love you guys. You are here. There are other pastors who never want to pastor here. They would want to be where there is glitz and glamour. One day Jesus said, the Bible says Jesus must needs pass through Samaria. Why? Go read John chapter number four. Jesus goes to Samaria. He meets with the woman, the, the prostitute, remember? At the well. When he meets with this woman, read the scripture. I'm assuming that you know your Bible. He sits there, he starts to talk to this woman. Remember, he left this place where there's competition with John about baptizing. He says, no, 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 it's not about this. Let me go reach out to the people. These guys, 
they are not really interested. Let me continue doing it. When he gets to the well, he starts talking to the woman. Read your Bible. Whilst he was talking, in fact, he gets to the well. When he gets there, the Bible says his disciples went into the city, other versions says, to look for bread. Other versions will say to look for meat. Whilst he was there, this woman came and he started talking to her mission. When he was talking to her, the disciples, the 12 guys, the meat or bread guys came back. They came back. When they came back, they found him talking to the woman. The Bible says, but no one dared ask him because it was a taboo for a priest or a missionary of his stature to be speaking to a woman and worse off a prostitute. But Jesus was about his father's business. Yes. So when they then, the Bible says, they then compelled him to eat. Read your Bible. See, the problem with most of us, we read the cover, Holy Bible, we sleep. The meat is inside. when they got to Jesus, they said, Master, eat. He couldn't eat. Whilst they were compelling him to eat, the Bible says the woman went into the city. When the woman went into the city, the Bible says, whilst they were compelling Jesus to eat, he replied and said, my, my food is to do my, or my meat, or my bread, or my food, is to do my father's will. So he did it. He started fasting. Now, the 12 boys brought bread. The prostitute went into the same city where they brought bread. Brothers and sisters, guess what she brought? Remember? The whole city came to Jesus by one woman prostitute where 12 trained powerful bishops like me and him and him and him and him brought bread. Why would Jesus stick around my pastor with us? I'm mindful that I must not move too much. Why then would Jesus stick around with you and me when we now want to ride, eat bread, sit on his right or left, which is what we always fight about, and not get a prostitute who can bring him the whole city? Why should he stick around with us? We are grumpy. If he was to send us to difficult places, we will cry. And he rather, before we know it, all of you, Jesus is a replacement plan. He is so nice as a savior, he will not come and say words to you. He will just do what is right. Get a prostitute. Bring the whole city. Let the bread boys bring bread. <laughs> Let the woman bring the souls. I pray that by God's grace in this house, 
Jesus will not go out there to look for somebody else to replace you. As nice as you are. As powerful as you look. As handsome and beautiful as you look. There is a mission here. So, Jesus was so happy. Then the Samaritans asked him, please dwell with us a little longer. He was there for two days. The boys would have said, let's go somewhere else where there's nice meat. Let's leave it there. Mark chapter number four. He says, let's cross over to the other side. Give me two minutes. Let's cross over to the other side. And they went onto the board. And the devil fought hard for them not to cross over to the other side. Mm-hmm. He made, said, peace be still to the sea. Then they crossed over to the other side. The moment they got there, read Mark chapter 5 now. Mark chapter 5, you read the whole scripture. Jesus reaches out to a madman. Madman, madman with legions of demons. Living not into the duplexes or fourplexes or whatever you call them in town. Living in the tombs. Cutting himself but useful to the master. My brothers and sisters, Jesus is 12 trained guys who have been in church for three years now. Doing, eating, and all other things. He gets there. He delivers this guy. After this guy is delivered, the whole city is full of fear. They chase Jesus away. And Jesus says, no problem, I've done my good job. He jumps back into the boat with the boat riders. Delivered by Jesus, came to Jesus and said, Master, can I go with you? Read your scripture. He says, Can I go with you? He says, No, 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 no. You can't be like this one. This is a preacher's mind. He says, Stay here and go to your people and tell them what has happened to you. Instead of coming into the boat to join the boat crews with the boat boys, Jesus said, No. What I have done to you is enough to do what I've trained people for three years to do. He sent him back. The guy went to the Decapolis, ten cities, to talk about Jesus. After one encounter with Jesus, in place of 12 guys who are well trained but want good life. Jesus could have sent 10 out of 12 and remained with a change of two. But they wouldn't. So he sent the mad guy and did a greater job that could have been done by 12 guys. One madman reached out to 10 cities for Jesus. My friends, the mission is greater than Would it be heaven is thinking now about you and I? Mm-hmm. 
to reach out to some useless, if you so want to say useless, somebody that you think is low grade to do his work in place of you and I. We are so used to his grace, we enjoy his grace so much that we forget about the mission. I pray that the grace of God will move in this city for us, my friends, not to waste the grace that God has placed on this congregation and on us as individuals. Number one, to do what God wants us to. Number two, to give to what God wants done. There is so much work out there that we can give to, that we can participate in for the glory of God. My Father in heaven, I thank you for this wonderful congregation. Speak Holy Spirit to your people that your mission is very important. Whilst the missionary is very important, but you put high regards to your mission more than us. Lord, I humble myself for use. I'd rather be the madman ready to be used by God. I'd rather be the prostitute ready to be used by God than a smart apostle who has been mad, called mad, but not doing. Bless us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Community Church, visit ovchurch.ca.